0: Eight past two uh, in Wednesday afternoon. This is eighty seven point seven, Berwick FM. You're listening to the Newspeak, the top when it's not falling apart, the top political discussion show in Berwick. Newspeakers' freedom of speech going live as we debate the big issues of the past week. Once again, I deeply apologise for the staggered start my fault uh, alone but joining me this week we have not one but two guests um very special guests both returners um loved having them on You speak in the past um and of course from last week I, I we have a psychology student and better head of podcasting ollie crisp um ollie it's great to have you with us um as a returning guest i'm, I'm uh, more and more enjoying our, our conversations um, but but also uh, we have PPE student uh, Philippa Cordell and it's great to have you with us Pip I know you are on Newspeak back when we were live in the studio um, but uh, this is the first time you've been on the Reborn uh, version and I hope you're both, you're both doing well doing yep. excellently Theo it's a Brilliant. privilege to be back um, again, apologies for, for, for fluffing up. So, a couple of things I'd like to—a little bit of housekeeping—I'd like to gather before we start. Um, we're going to be talking about a whole load of things today. We're going to be talking about uh, the forty-sixth president of the United States, Joe Biden. Um, we are going to be uh, discussing uh, Trump and his legacy. We're going to be talking about Johnson, um, and uh, we're going to be talking about space travel. If you have any thoughts on any of that, so I'm sure many of you intelligent young students do uh, please message in uh, message me if you have my personal social media um, or if you want to message the uh, Bell studio computer you can text in at 01524 566 that's 01524 566 549 um, and let us know your thoughts Please put your name on them tech. And if they're appropriate We'll read them out And, and discuss them um, We're going to start With our main news round uh, Main news roundup this time We'll have some discussions we we'll have our alternative news roundup. It should be a good episode um, There's a factual correction: I do need to establish Before we move on Last week I said There had only been Six black characters In American history That was incorrect There have in fact been 11 um, I misread a statistic And so I'm sorry For giving you poor information There Um, But be rest assured, uh, if there are any factual errors on the show, we'll do our best as possible to correct them in the next week. Um, So, you know, you can trust us because this is high quality political debate. So let's start with the big headlines of the week past. The House of Representatives voted to approve impeachment against President Donald Trump, making him the first American president to be impeached twice. The charges accused the president of having threatened the integrity of the democratic system and interfered with a peaceful transition of power. Ten Republican voted in favour and four abstained unusually with the partisan chamber. Proceedings now move to the Senate, which is not obviously going to be holding a trial until after President Trump leaves office today. In the UK, the vaccination versus infection rate is heating up as NHS Chief Executive Sir Simon Stephen says that vaccinations are happening four times faster than people are newly catching coronavirus. The government is aiming to deliver 15 million jabs to the most vulnerable groups by mid February, but it's doing this in an environment of extremely high case rate, with a seven day average standing at 50,000 cases last Saturday, as well as over 1,000 deaths. The fight is not over. And in Germany, Armin Laschet has been elected leader of the Christian Democrats, the party of Chancellor Angela Merkel. This leaves the premier of North Rhine-Westphalia state in a good position to replace Mrs. Merkel when she steps down in September. A loyal of supporter of the chancellor, Mr. Laschet, has committed against a change of direction for the CDU, saying that would send exactly the wrong message. Now the time is two twelve p.m big news story today, Biden taking office, Trump leaves with a whimper rather than a bang today Joe Biden will be sworn in as the 46th President of the United States his predecessor President Trump has reported he will not be attending the ceremony although Vice President Mike Pence will in his stead this is the inflection point that ends a remarkable presidency unprecedented in a raft of ways and which introduces a new presidency that may be even more remarkable in its policies and outlook Ollie we discussed we discussed Trump and his continued failure to concede last week, although he has now, uh, to all intents and purposes, conceded. What do you think happened to the greatly diminished forty fifth president now he leaves office? Yeah, it's a good
1: it's a good question, Theo. And I think there's I think there's two general paths he could sort of go. There's there's one option where he just fades into oblivion. He's removed from office. He's sort of shamed. If the Democrats get their way, he may actually be impeached. Um, And I think that's what a lot of people would like. They just like to see him gone and to never see him again. The other option, which I think is one which I am actually sort of uh, think is slightly more likely, is that Trump will continue to be this important political figure. He's talked about, There's there's been rumours about him aspiring to set up his own news network. In fact, there were some stories today about him actually suggesting um, the creation of a new party called the Patriot Party or the Patriotic Party. Um, so I don't think... This is him bowing out for good. I think he's going to remain an, uh, an important and influential figure. Even if the social media companies uphold his ban, He still will. he's such a significant figure that he still will manage to get his voice out there. And the fact that he won't be president anymore will give him a greater ability to speak his mind on a number of issues. Uh, we know he's got aspirations for a second run. It remains to be seen whether he'll be allowed to um, commit to that. Um, and even if he's not impeached, there's still he's still significantly influenced American political culture. There's a lot of people around him who are supportive of the movement, uh, people like Ted Cruz, uh, current lawmakers, and then even even people in his own family, his own son, whose uh, people say may have some aspirations to run for office. So I think. Um, he will still remain an important uh, voice in politics.
0: Okay, well, well, you mentioned a couple of different points there. So let's dissect that first one, um, where you're saying that Trump himself will continue to be an influential figure. <clears throat> and, of course, if you have any uh, agreements or disagreements with, with what we're discussing today, do message me. Message in the studio at 01524 Pip, how much do you agree w- with Ollie's statement that Trump is just going to... Um, uh, leave and look. No, sorry, that Trump is going to continue to be a substantial president. How much do you agree with that?
2: I I can't imagine Trump ever leaving. To be honest, I think he he's just going to sort of stick around and move from base to base because he's such a like he's an, almost a an iconic figure now, kind of the late 2010s. And there is so much kind of controversy that's surrounding him that he's not going to. Come out of politics. I mean, he has been impeached twice. I think it is important to say that um, the Democrats have had their way. They have. He has been impeached a second time. It's whether or not he gets convicted by the Senate, which is a bigger question. Of course, he's going to stick around for that. We're going to hear about him still when that's the the trial's all going on. And I think it also depends on kind of where that trial happens. If that happens, not where, um, but kind of what happens afterwards. If he does get. Um, if he does get charged, then I mean, that's massive because that's never happened to any president, um, sitting yeah. or otherwise. And if he doesn't, I think he'll just like then, I I think he'll then just cry out and say the Democrats are crying all for the entire time and, and still try and get under their skin.
0: So, but, so you're saying either way he's going to continue to, continue to be a president. You don't think he's been kind of permanently humbled uh, by this or so chastened <laughs> that he's just going to retire and manage things from behind the scenes i mean i'm serious do you not think that he'll instead go for a behind the scenes um role where he's still manipulating the republican party or you know maneuvering his his children into roles you think he's still going to be very much front and center wherever possible
2: i think and this is sort of showing my bias and and how i feel about trump to be honest i think he's a little bit too much of a narcissist for that i think he enjoys being in the spotlight he enjoys being in that area where he can just kind of lie his way out of it and where he's kind of right. making th- things up on the spot I think I think it is a good um, idea not a good idea but um, a thought that he might kind of lead one of his children into um, office or try to at least um, whether or not that actually happens but I, I think he'll always want that leading role
0: Okay, so you're saying Trump's a narcissist. I mean, that's quite a strong claim to uh, the fact that he enjoys lying to throw throw at someone. We'll just put that to one side for for now. Um, I mean, you know, the discussion that he's facing lawsuits, The discussion that if he's impeached, as you say, Nixon wasn't impeached, Johnson wasn't impeached, Clinton wasn't impeached. He'll be the first American president to be, sorry, um, not the first to be impeached, the first to be convicted. Um, mm-hmm. uh, following impeachment, you still don't think, Ollie, that that will kind of diminish him in in any meaningful long term uh, sense. Trump is a
1: a force of nature, and I'm not saying this to like celebrate him in any way, but he's in his mid seventies. If you look at the, during the um the, the presidential campaign, he was flying around the country doing multiple like arena filled, um sort of what what would you call them like arena filled yeah rallies yeah mul- multiple of these every day. He's this he doesn't drink um i'm not saying he's like the healthiest guy and but i suppose that that speaks more to just this this crazy inner drive he's got uh he's ruthlessly ambitious he really is you know considering his age and what he's capable of i yeah he's not gonna just like settle down and retire and just exclusively play golf he's he's gonna go down swinging
0: he's gonna go down fighting for, for as long as he can okay okay and, and i'm presuming from your previous comments that you agree to an extent with, with that assessment that he is in all these words a force of nature yes
2: i would um for yeah like a hurricane is a force of nature you don't like it but it's there
0: um <laughs> I, I i just, I just oh. I think. Okay, I I think. Sorry. Yeah. A
2: little, yeah. Bit, <laughs> a little bit too rest- biased there. <laughs> <I'm just gonna laughs> rein that in a little bit. Here.
0: I think that's quite unfair. But because I think I I wonder if we're downplaying the effect that a second impeachment will have on him. I mean, the reports in the past week is that the right wing basically ghost town. Deprived of his social media, he has no calling card. It doesn't look like he's going to get his social media back anytime soon. He's speaking to no one. His rally on the southern border was laughably sparsely attended. No one's really taking his calls anymore, apart from tight inner circle who, who who decide to stick by him. So I just wonder if, if if after four years of Trump, we're just so used to thinking he's going to be on the airways, he's going to be in our in our field of vision um, that that he we're forgetting the fact that actually he might go as he he entered the scene. Um, suddenly
2: he well he didn't i mean we always knew trump was around you always kind of trump tower there was trump university there's he's i mean he's always been a prevalent name in business and and then he was also um the u.s apprentice as well so um i think that's that's a an important thing to note is we've always been aware of him and i think we always will be aware of him um even if he goes off to play golf somewhere there's gonna be a picture in some magazine of him playing golf with Hmm. Um, a random i don 't know person um, and um and I think we're always going yeah he 's always going to be're be, going to be aware of him more than we 're aware of any other former president because that he 's always been in our field of vision and of course he 's still got Trump Tower and he's still got businesses to do and he's still got the golf course in Scotland, and so there are lots of he 's still got lots
0: of influence okay okay and I, I want to move on to impeachment because. That kind of the thread running through this whole discussion. So, so Nancy Pelosi, although she's yet to timetable the process of impeachment in the Senate, Nancy Pelosi being what a key Democratic figure in the House of Representatives. Um, well, Trump has been impeached uh, successfully. Is this the right move for the Democratic Party? Who, who, let's not forget, Joe Biden, Democratic nominee for president, famously been calling for unity been calling to restore the soul of America all these past months and yet his very own party is moving impeachment proceedings against Trump. It's, uh, uh, Pip, I'm going to turn to you with that one. You don't think that that is a, a, a politically poor move that's going to undermine what the president is trying to do?
2: I think that that, that is a point and uh, in a time when they're calling for unity maybe they should show, them, show that themselves but their ultimate goal is to Um, have him convicted and have the Senate decide that he can no longer run for office. They don't want that overbearing threat of him running again in 2024, whether or not the Republicans would allow that, or he'd run a different party. He had so much influence in 2016 and in 2020 and how close the race was um, that I think the Democrats actually, and some Republicans, are actually a little bit afraid of what would happen if he ran in 2024. Um, So I think, I don't... (laughs) I think it's, I understand why they've done it. And I think it is a good thing that they have done it for kind of political reasons for them. But I think there is a bit of a contradictory idea there of saying, yeah, let's be united, but we're just going to do this one last thing to get our, our enemy. Um, it's having okay. needing to have the last laugh.
0: So needing to have the last laugh. Ollie, how much do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly an element of it. There's a lot of people out there who like feel incredibly vengeful towards Trump. There's real, like, there's real ferocity and anger directed towards him and this feeling that people kind of want to get him even even once he's out of office um and i think that is certainly motivating um some of the democrats but i also think there's real legitimate case to be made that he did incite that riot and so yeah the, the process has to be gone through and so even though the motivational forces might not be always in the right place i think it is a good thing that he's being impeached um okay, yeah,
2: do you not think, Ollie, and I was um discussing this someone the other day that um that impeachment proceedings if you impeach this often if you impeach someone twice and they don't get convicted again, you actually run the risk of diminishing what impeachment means,
1: yeah, I think that's a really important point, yeah, we don't want to see impeachment just become this uh like political weapon that's that's used to every president, and in fact, I saw a uh, an interview actually with a newly elected um, Republican Congresswoman, who is very, very sort of sympathetic to Trump, she's sort of um, being framed as one of these QAnon supporters, these these sort of these this new raft of, of Trump people in in, in the yeah. House, and she's actually planning to um, put forward impeachment proceedings against Biden on day oh, one. It's not going to go anywhere, but yeah, you're right, um, Philippa, We are seeing impeachment just becoming this um, standard. Protocol of of U.S. politics, and that, I think that's really dangerous and divisive.
0: But, but Ollie, you, you you mentioned how um, he was. I mean, he did incite a riot. I think that's quite definitively there's a direct link between Trump at the rally outside the Capitol and the actions of um, Trump supporters in in breaking into the Capitol. Well, that's rounds. for the Senate to decide, Theo. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's for the Senate to decide. So, so you're not saying that this is? I, I would. There's a lot of people who would suggest that. Um, uh, this is a perfectly. Uh, this is this is the ideal thing to impeach a president for, right? The, 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 the attacking the principles and the spirit of the American democratic system. Do you do you That's not right. agree that you should you should stand up for those principles? Or you definitely Pitt, should.
1: Definitely. Pitt... Oh, sorry. Do you want to do you want to give this well, one? Philippa?
0: Pitt was more 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 anti the idea of impeachment. So I'd be quite interested, Pip, to see how you kind of respond to that conundrum. Which is this is what impeachment is for, surely? Is it not?
2: Well yeah and I it was not so much anti impeachment it's just an interesting question to pose about kind of whether or not it diminishes impeachment but I think there is on that line and I'll I'll take the anti stance d- despite my own kind of feelings about it um and I think there is a there is evidence that kind of people were planning to riot beforehand people had organized kind of there were t- people with jumpers and t-shirts with like capital riot printed on them um and people kind of knew this was going to happen. They knew, they were prepared. And there was, I mean, wasn't it, I think was it was some, like a pipe bomb or something was discovered. That's not, oh yeah, Trump said this on a whim. Okay, we're going to march to the Capitol and try and put a pipe bomb in there. No, it was a, okay, this is what we're planning on doing. So I think it's, I mean, it's clear where the violence came from. And it's clear at that initial point, everyone went, right, he said, go to the Capitol, let's go to the Capitol. But I think there was evidence of pre-planning and whether or not that would have happened anywhere i think that's going to be an interesting thing that's going to come up in
1: the senate
0: mm. okay okay yeah, i think I for mean, me can
1: i just come in really briefly absolutely yeah like, yeah. yeah i think for me when we when we when we're looking at um, the senate um, i feel that like There's Democrats out there who are, like, out for this sort of partisan vengeance. And I feel there's also Republicans who just feel like, oh, he's out of office now. Just, like, let him off the hook, basically. He's he's out now anyway. And I think both of those perspectives are wrong. I want the Senate to take, uh, like, an honest, authentic, nonpartisan look at what Trump did and assess whether that riot was directly incited by him or not. And if it was, then he needs to be impeached, even if he's out of office, just because... That is the process, and we can't let this partisan divisiveness supersede the functioning of of the system. But okay. there's not
2: like a disagreement in character because a lot of, uh, I mean, it's clear that a lot of people and um, Democrats and Republicans are like don't like Trump. That's one of the reasons people want to do this is partly because they don't like him. Yes, he did. Yeah. Kind of there is evidence that he incited the riot, but it's a character thing as well. And they don't want him to be in power again. And Republicans, some Republicans have made that clear. And so I think that's one of the reasons they're doing this. And you're not going to get that. Kind of, let's have a blank slate. We're going to look at this completely neutrally because you can't. You you, you've been in that. You've been embroiled in that debate this entire time for four years, whether or not he's inciting violence or whether or not we should impeach him. I'm yeah, and the whole. You, it's it part of that is the p-
0: whole Russiagate thing. Oh, sorry, Theo. Well, I'm just going to intervene because because someone texted him with a, with a fairly acute point, and, and, and Pippi raising the issue of national character. Well, not quite national character, but of character and, and dislikability. It's worth pointing out that Trump has, on leaving office, 25 court cases uh, to deal with, um, some of them notably prosecuted by the Manhattan uh, District Office, where, where Trump formerly resided, um, including a, a, a rape case. Now, I'm not familiar with the with the legal doings of previous person, but I would I would infer that that's quite a high number. And there's a suggestion that d- does that not link into what you're saying, Pip, um, with the fact that, that that Trump is perhaps someone who who had a lot of baggage to, to carry. Now he's coming out of the presidency.
2: Yeah, and I think that's quite clear with all these court cases. And 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 someone who's being accused of um, sexual assault and rape, that's going to speak to their character and the kind of the. Um, cases against kind of if there's anything that's remotely violent that's going to come against him and say okay well you were violent in yourself so it's not unreasonable to say that this was what you intended so it is a character thing and this is kind of people like examining not just what he's done but him as a character that's what court cases do that's why you have character witnesses um in not just in presidential court cases but in a lot of court cases you will have a character witness to say actually no this person's not normally like this and i think with trump there's evidence that no this is
0: what he's like okay okay um and and of course it's worth pointing out i just want to jump back to the q and on theory that that uh, ollie mentioned there it's worth pointing out that that theory has no credibility whatsoever in terms of there's next to no evidence supporting it it is baseless um the idea that there is a satanic ring of uh well paedophiles in the upper echelons of the washington dc is completely unfounded um and and worryingly
1: worryingly um becoming sort of increasingly i'm not going to say pervasive but it is um it's, it's I would say pervasive the is about st- right. <laughs> but it's, not, it's not. It's, it's pervasive amongst his base, but in terms of like actually like lawmakers, it's very. It's not mm. a, a right. significant thing.
0: That brings us on to, and this is the last thing I want to sound Trump because it would be worth spending five minutes or so talking about Biden, who is of course the incoming president. I don't want this uh, discussion to be overshadowed by the by the yesterday's man, as it were. Um, what, what do you think? <clears throat> and, and Ali, I'll come to you first excuse me just need to clear my throat throat) ollie what do you think will be the most or one of the most enduring legacies um of trump's period in office and if you at home have any thoughts on this do please text in and and, and message in um, well it's uh, not it's
1: not one of uh it's not one of like pulling the country together is it (laughs) and and encouraging unity I, i don't know what else to say other than chaos polarization um there are some there are some like interesting aspects of it in terms of just him showing the like that crazy things can happen in politics you know, when, when when Trump was first running it was seen as impossible that he would win it was just seen as something which could not happen and the fact that he did and he showed he showed the world that the the, the, the presidency doesn't have to be dominated by these creatures of Washington the outsiders can force their way into the system um, and that's that's something which that legacy is important and it will remain and there might even be something positive about that um and then the final thing i just want to touch upon is social media we, we now all understand the importance of social media it's more important than ever uh, in terms of politics and that's a trend which will only continue
0: okay okay and, and Pip?
2: i think the the legacy i mean there are i mean i know kind of what he'd probably hope and that's sort of the the peace treaties that he kind of helped broker and and there were some things that people could argue were, were good things but i think it's got to be kind of the tweets and the inciting of the the like the mis- the cafe fe for example the random tweets Don't are going to be part of his legacy um, and i think the um the impo- the being impeached twice that's also going to be a massive part of what he leaves behind kind of the idea that that's never happened and that it could happen again possibly in the future and yeah i think i think as ollie said kind of the chaos and the partisan nature of the us which he kind of led into i mean it's always been partisan in politics the united states but it it kind of highlighted how extreme the two sides can be um especially in terms of kind of um in th- because i was looking at things kind of the other day of, of what we might have forgotten and the idea of things in charlottesville and the way that was kind of yes. the moment where he he didn't kind of condemn white supremacy and i think that's gonna be a lasting legacy for him that he refused to condemn white supremacists
0: okay okay and, and we've got a message in from from Noah, um who is saying the legacy is that maybe america isn't as great as the world may have viewed it six years ago Um, which is a very interesting point that I wish we had more time to follow up on but one one thing I'd be interested in suggesting is actually Trump has been um, and may in the long term be perhaps a boon for liberal democracy and that he has enabled um, or he has forced um, those who uh, have more traditionally led liberal democracies um, often socially liberal um, individuals to to consider um, economic inequality social inequality the issues of race has come to the forefront for the first time in about 60 years in the state certainly and that actually as a uh, as a people we are having to confront issues that we never before considered and i think there is actually goodness in in what trump has done which is to uh, encourage the uh, a massive kind of the establishment if you will to to consider that their country is much more diverse um and complicated than than perhaps it was six or eight years ago but I don't think they've done enough consideration
1: of the of what brought Trump into power in the first place I feel like too much of the too much focus has just been on sort of Trump is bad Trump bad and not enough focus on how the hell did eight years of Obama lead to this and I'm not blaming Obama I'm just saying we need to consider the the the, 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 the causative factors which led to Trump's prominence and his election
0: mm. okay well, again, another issue for another day, I think. But um, we do need to move on. Um, and I'm sure this is not the last time we'll come back to the soon-to-be former, well, uh, President to President for Life, really, in the United States, but soon-to-be de facto former President uh, Donald Trump, and because it's time for the Alternative News Roundup, where we look away from the Washington-Westminster News Axis, report on some of the big stories from around the world and under your nose. This is the Alternative News Roundup. In Uganda, incoming president Yari Museveni was returned to a sixth term after a tense and often violent election campaign. The EU, UN and several human rights groups have raised concerns over the election, and opposition candidate and popular musician Bobby Wine has said he's rejecting the results with the contempt they deserve. He's accused the government of trapping him in his house and stopping him from sharing evidence of voter fraud. In Gambia, three years after autocrat president Yahya Jammeh fled the country, shockwaves were rippling out from the Truth, Reconciliation and Reparations Commission's findings into Jammeh's lifestyle and repressive techniques. Stories of how the president rigged courts, tortured prisoners, authorised mass murder, raped women, abused HIV patients and ran over citizens in the presidential convoy are, according to BBC journalist a Downey, forcing Gambians to reflect on what they know of the country and themselves. When the commission is finished in six months, there is yet to come a final reckoning with the Gambia's violent past, Daomi writes. And in Afghanistan, two women judges employed by the Afghan Supreme Court have recently been assassinated. Both were ambushed in a vehicle on their way to work, but no one has stepped forward to claim the killings last Saturday. The murders come within an increasingly uncertain atmosphere of Afghanistan as the American withdrawal continues in pace, and Taliban express continued reluctance to stick to peaceful negotiations. That was the alternative news roundup. Time to move on to our second big debate topic, one which I think will will get you both equally as involved, if not more so than the previous Trump and Biden discussion. It's nearly a year since the first COVID infections were reported in the UK in York. In that time, over three million cases have been reported, with nearly 90,000 deaths. One possible casualty of the pandemic has been Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who's been accused of bungling the government's early response before himself contracting COVID. Chancellor Rishi Sunak increasingly seems to have eyes on a premiership with Johnson under five and the right for implementing restrictions and from the left for not implementing them quick enough. Pip, okay, I know you follow Conservative Party matters quite closely. How likely do you think it is that Johnson stays in power once the pandemic is eased and once people begin to point fingers and carry out a kind of post-Covid, post-mortem?
2: I... I mean, I I think this is going to be one of kind of the criticisms he's going to come under for the rest of his life, political or otherwise. Um, I think kind of as people, it's weird to think it's been a year. Um, (laughs) um, But as people kind of look at it even closely, kind of in the aftermath. And um, as I said, hindsight's 2020. um, Sorry, I had to put that in. Um, They... um, uh, but I think people are going to look at him and look at kind of we're already looking at his first response and how initially kind of things worked out. And I think it is quite clear that he didn't do kind of enough, quick enough. Um,
0: what, what, what specific example did you point towards when you say you didn't hmm. do enough, quick enough?
2: I think kind of places were implementing kind of lockdowns earlier than we did. If I'm correct, I might be wrong, but I think yeah. that was the case. And I think that was quite clear. In everyone was kind of going kind of that kind of limbo between are we going to go into lockdown aren't we um in kind of march time um and i think that kind of initial i think a lot of people actually went actually maybe we should go into lockdown to begin with and then see what happens after that and i think that first lockdown was a was a good thing um and i think as much as it was horrible in terms of mental health and um And actually, kind of the rise in other um, kind of things like abuse have happened. But I think for the whole, the country as a whole, and in order to try and keep down coronavirus cases, I think that was a good idea. And I think he will be criticised for this tier system and not going in strong enough, Um, and the fact that we've had to go into lockdown number three. What to do? We've got to, you know, hope that third time's the charm. Um, And I think he's always going to be criticised for this and the way he's done it. And uh, airports as well the lack of security for people coming in um so right. um kind of so, so just didn't have just to take just, a test to come in to begin with
0: I'm, I'm just gonna push you on this a little bit and i'm sure ollie has 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 something to say Cause, because when Johnson introduced up first lockdown although there was an impression of dither and delay his, his approval ratings were quite high i mean they, they got higher mm. uh, for, for for a period but you, st- you still think that 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 approval rating hasn't lasted or you think that we we now focus on the, the 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 criticism rather than the poll rating how do you square that circle um
2: i think that what well, in terms of the approval ratings at the beginning of the lockdown
0: well approval rating at the beginning of lockdown being quite high despite you're saying well he's he he's his response was poor
2: yeah i think i think at that point in time we hadn't quite got uh, at the time of the start of the lockdown i don't think we'd quite understood the gravity of the situation we were going to be in um and i think during lockdown people did reflect back on it and go hang on a second these places um places like new zealand or i think vietnam handled it particularly well um actually they sorted it out much faster um because they were instant in that um reaction of just right okay this is the issue we're going to stop we're going to halt everything's going to go on kind of pause whereas we kind of went oh yeah but 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 what about this and it might not be a bad we think and and i think he will be criticized for that and i think kind of looking back on that a lot of people go okay yeah i don't think he did something quite quick enough
0: okay um ollie i imagine you 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 have something to say about yeah i got a few thoughts on it yeah um
1: it's really easy with hindsight to look back and say what the government did wrong I mean, um, yeah, I feel like we're still in the early stages of this pandemic. Really, um, we're still learning about it. I, I understand that we have to hold the government to account, and we have to hold, we have to be, we have to be critical, and we have to be analytic. Um, but we also need to sometimes just take a deep breath to the extent that we can, and. Um, I really evaluate things scientifically we know there's hundreds of strains of covid going around we don't know how these strains were distributed across the world there is increasing evidence that that a variation in in the different strains may have played some role in the extent to which covid spread in different countries that's not going to I- excuse the
0: government for its failures i'm just going to interrupt you there are you, are you saying there's hundreds of strains of covid going around well i believe there's some people suggest there's thousands Right, oh, I'm
2: coronavirus, just... the, the type of virus, yeah, because a, corona, a coronavirus is a kind of a novel type of vi- virus. It's a normal thing that's gone around. Um, oh, right. But oh, right. the My COVID-19 the yeah.
1: is different. I, I understand that there are... I'm, I'm willing to be fact-checked on this. I, I listened to a podcast recently with an epidemiologist who suggested that, yeah, that, yeah there, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of the SARS. Okay. Um, I, I know there's scientific um, dissensus on that. So it remains to be seen, you might be right, there might be a very small number of strains, but yeah, the point I'm making is that it's going to take time and a real evaluation of the situation before we can determine where the government actually failed, and and it, it has failed in certain areas. Um, But I remember my my actual memory of the lockdown being implemented was that it happened very quickly. I mean, it's like I say, it's easy with hindsight to look back and say, oh, they should have acted quickly. They should have acted quickly. But I remember getting sent home from uni and I thought, oh, they're going to send us home at the weekend. And they just cancelled everything in the middle of the week. And then I remember being at home with my family and watching them announcing the lockdown on the news and thinking, "Uh, wow, I didn't see this coming so and I think a lot of people felt like that so it's I I, as someone who felt like that I don't feel like I'm justified in saying to the government oh they should have locked down earlier because it was a surprise to me when they did it.
2: I think I I think my family maybe that's just us and us being kind of pessimistic I think we all kind of looked at each other and went yeah let's get each other back from uni a bit early and um and get this thing sorted I think we kind of thought this is what's going to happen so I think that's maybe why I think they could have done it earlier um, because we had that kind of feeling of something big's going to happen and we all want to be home for it
0: Okay, I'm going to move the conversation on ever so slightly so I'm going to head back to you Um, so we're now looking at quite a smooth vaccine rollout, there's not been too many concerns over the introduction of of the various vaccines um, that are being implemented let's assume johnson gets COVID under control in 2021 as might be possible as with the news headline earlier it looks like the vaccination rate is overtaking the infection rate 140 vaccines a minute so stevens was saying how would that impact his public standing do you think will it have been permanently damaged by by covid or will he bounce back the, the vaccine rollout is, is
1: really impressive, I must say, the extent to which they're scaling it up. They're, they're, they're planning to get every adult vaccinated in the UK by the end of the year, so it's it's really impressive what, what the government is doing in that respect, not to excuse the other failures. So, yeah, I mean, if we can get these vaccines rolled out and if we can effectively end the pandemic, then I Johnson is... I think he's going to be looked at as something of a hero. I'm not saying he deserves that status, but... Um, People, I think, will just be so relieved to have this come to an end. that They'll just want to move on with their lives. Um, Yeah. I mean, compared to some countries, we're doing incredibly well. If you look at the amount of vaccines that France has distributed, it's significantly lower than the number we have. And there's also parts um, uh, the anti-vax sentiment is obviously present in this country, but compared to somewhere like France, which is far more sceptical of vaccination, um, we're in a
0: good place and we're moving in a positive direction. Okay, Okay. And, and Pip, do you agree that we're going to have this sort of vaccine bounce back?
2: I I think I think um, people will thank um, the government for getting the vaccine um, rolled out quickly. It is a remarkable thing that they're doing, and the speed of which they're doing it is completely unprecedented. Um, I think once we've done it in this country, there are certain, not everyone, but there are some people who might be looking to the global stage and saying, okay, we've sorted the pandemic out here in the UK, but what happens... Abroad, and whether or not COVID will still be in other countries. I think there are some people will look to that and look to us kind of being one of the global leaders if we get it sorted out here first. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, I think by the end of kind of if he does get the vaccine rollout, kind of working and carrying on smoothly, um, I think there will be a sort of bounce back and people will like him a bit more than they currently do. Um, I think that will be kind of an achievement for him despite kind of Failings in other areas,
0: but, but but so after the Second World War, Winston Churchill, regarded as one of the greatest prime ministers in British history, victorious, very much uh, rightly shouldered a lot of the responsibility for that victory. Yet was still kicked out of office in a huge electoral landslide for the Labour Party. Johnson. Has not been an unqualified success as Churchill was in the Second World War. You're still saying that this is going to be a positive impact for him? Are you saying that there's not going to be a Winston Churchill? You know, are, are people still going to be willing to go for Johnson even when they rejected Winston Churchill post war?
2: I think people saw Winston Churchill as a kind of a, a wartime Prime Minister at this point. I think kind of he was so synonymous with that time. I think there was. Um, kind of, okay, maybe we want someone else to lead us in peacetime, Um, which I mean, I don't know, I wasn't there Um, that could have (laughs) been kind of the talk going around but I don't, I think it would be remarkable if Johnson lost all of his seats I think with the majority that he I say all of his seats, all of the seats of the Conservative Party, I think with the majority that they've got, and is it still 80-something I think? Yeah, looking at 80-something,
0: yeah
2: And like that would be, for Labour to win outright with kind of a majority, I th- I would be astounded at that sort of election. As much as kind of Keir Starmer is kind of leading in the polls, but I think, yeah, I w- I would be astounded at that um, victory. I think with losing eighty seats would be remarkably devastating
0: for the Conservative Party. Oli, would you be astounded yeah.
1: at the next election in 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 well the next election will be twenty twenty three, won't it? Yeah, twenty twenty four. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty four, five, five years, years. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. I, I think I agree with Pip on that. I'd be very surprised to see Labour win. I, it, it does depend largely on not just getting over the initial pandemic, which hopefully we 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 might even be getting towards the end of it by the end of the year. But even if it does take a little bit longer, the the pandemic will have, have concluded by the time of the next election. I think, fingers crossed. Um, but it what 's also important is how is is the post pandemic recovery how successful that goes if there is any significant economic issues which arise as a consequence and how they're dealt with i think that is is something which we need to discuss i i can't see how we could get out of this thing without there being major economic disruption everywhere is shut significant numbers of businesses across the number have been closed for large portions of the year how can there not be consequences for that whether it's some kind of crash whether it's significant tax rises and That's something which will certainly affect things going into the next election. Not just the pandemic, but the post-pandemic response.
2: I think it's also kind of um, that it's clear to 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 note that we are kind of coming out of the pandemic or arising to kind of this slightly damaged, well, very damaged economy. But in the kind of the Brexit period, we've left now. The dreaded B word. Um, And I think that I think that's important to note. And I think he will be judged on that on Brexit as well. I mean, that was kind of him from the start in kind of twenty-six, well, pre-2016 and the referendum. Um, and I think whatever happens with Brexit and deals that carry on and trade negotiations that carry on, I think that people will also be looking to that in the next election, and how well he does with that. And if he succeeds there, then he might do well in the next election. And if he doesn't, I don't think he will.
0: Okay. Uh, looking at the post-pandemic response, though, so brings us on to the um, your local MP, actually Ollie, who you've served in, in the pub um, <laughs> which is Rishi Sunak who is the kind of rising star in the Conservative Party generally seen quite a free market that's right in, in, in outlook, he's been forced to be a Keynesian and that is spend vast amounts of money to keep the economy afloat if there are economic consequences desi- disastrous as you're both saying uh, that taxes have to be increased spending has to be cut, whatever response is taken that will fall on Sunak Will that limit Sunak's move to the Premiership? More fundamentally, do you think Sunak is moving to the Premiership, Ollie?
1: Yes, yes to both of those things. I think he wants to be prime minister. I think he's very ambitious. I have like. You to talk, have the, you
0: talked to him about these things yourself? <laughs> the no.
1: I, I have met him. He's the MP for Richmond, which is the constituency where I was um, permitted by the government to work very briefly at intermittent points throughout the year. Um, And, yeah, I've met him several times, but I remember him coming in over the the summer, actually, and people applauding him when he came in and when he left, like some scene from a movie. I mean, this is like a very rural, traditional Yorkshire pub where people are are, are sympathetic towards the Conservative Party. Um, But even beyond the Conservative Party, especially in the summer, Sunak's popularity was significant. I think he remains the most popular politician in the UK. But I I predict that that won't remain the case. Like I say, when this uh, when there is this uh, inevitable economic fallout, he's not going to respond in the way a lot of people want to see him responding. The the furlough schemers, I think that's massively responsible for his popularity. But that won't continue forever. And once it does ends, once it does end, and Sunak has to start making decisions which will really anger and frustrate a lot of people, um, yeah, his popularity will take a hit.
0: But don't you think that if you, so let's say he raises taxes, which will probably have to happen just as we enter the world of work, um, let's say he <laughs> does raise taxes, would that not just be seen as a prudent, responsible reaction to, to economic downturn? I mean, that's um, I think surely people accept that during times of economic uh, severity, you need, to, you need to spend more on tax yeah. more.
1: Well, yeah, it depends how those taxes are levied. People do want to see uh, the rich paying more in tax, and I think that's a reasonable think? proposition. Yeah, uh, but the spending cuts will be significant as well. As already, I was talking to a um, a nurse actually recently who I know, and she 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 was quite frustrated actually because they haven't received a pay rise throughout this entire thing. Teachers have, but nurses haven't, and I think that might just be one example of a raft of spending cuts which are going to be perceived as deeply unfair.
0: Okay. Okay, Pip, how much do you agree with with Ollie's assessment that Sunak is going to be austeritarian, which isn't a word, but austeritarian <laughs> and, and unpopular in the post-Covid response?
2: I think the whole thing, kind of the Conservatives is, is, I mean, they all about the kind of keeping the economy going. And I think that anything that kind of happens after the, the pandemic in, and in terms of um, Rishi Sunak, I think he can always use, not as an excuse, but he can... He can kind of go, oh, well, we were in a pandemic and that's why kind of I spent this much money and that's why we had to do this. Because if we didn't do this, it would be mass unemployment and people would be, I mean, starving and, and people, I mean, have been hit very hard by the pandemic. And um, and I think kind of that you're right in Ollie, that that's that's what made him popular. The furlough scheme um, undoubtedly increases popularity. Um, and in coming together kind of there had been times where people are actually kind of fond of him in other ways when he spoke about um, kind of the Diwali celebrations when there was controversy over people saying oh we'll get it by Christmas and why is Christmas um, kind of uh, the big be all and end all and he spoke about kind of um i think he he goes to temple occasionally with his children and i think that was a really kind of endearing moment for the country of going oh actually you know he's he's kind of a nice guy um but i think that um post pandemic um if we ever hopefully get there um any taxation that comes in it's it can't be sort of a blanket thing he has going to have to if he wants to keep popularity he has going to skew it to have um, the rich paying more um, because that's what people have been calling for and I think I mean the conservatives don't don't really like to be seen to do that sort of thing Um, but and they don't particularly like raising taxes because that's not what they've really been about but but I think in this time they are going to have to kind of put that aside and go yeah no we are going to kind of struggle if we don't do this i think there is going to be as much as authoritarian isn't a word <laughs> there's going to be like a um yeah we're going to go back to i think austerity measures and um all that comes with that okay so, okay.
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to cool into the little Sunak economic discussion there. One final comment from, from both of you to wrap the discussion up. I realise we're heading nearer to the end of the hour. We might not have enough time for our, for our final discussion. Um, Starmer, Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, has had an uneventful 2020, doing much better than Johnson in the polls. What problems, I'm just going to ask, ask for a quick comment from both of you on this, and then we'll move on. What problems do you think lies ahead for, for Mr Starmer. Oli, can I go to you first
1: with that? Well, because Starmer's got the easiest job in the world at the moment, hasn't he? he all he does is he, he gets wind of what the government's about to do in, in, in the next day and then announces it as a policy. <laughs> so... I I, I, I don't feel that warmly towards Starmer to be honest I'm not that I mean I suppose he's in the back seat at the moment anyway so he hasn't really had too much of an opportunity to prove himself in a sense but yeah I'm not I I don't think Starmer's going to be Prime Minister anytime soon Uh, uh, Pip how much would you agree
0: with that assessment?
2: I think yeah I think he'd struggle to be Prime Minister anytime soon Um, I think if he he's basically the things he's got to not do is the things he's got to do is not mess up And try and capture some of the middle ground, um, which Labour kind of lost last election round as the Conservatives swooped in. Um, And I think if he does those two things, he'll do all right in the next election. And if he doesn't, he won't. I think that's kind of quite clear.
0: Yeah. OK. And we're going to move on to our third discussion. So NASA has been up to some shenanigans are we space exploration they've been trying out their new mega rocket um it had to be closed down early apparently it didn't go wrong um we're not here to judge i'm no rocket scientist that but, explosion looked like a, something went wrong well you know let's not let's not get into explosion analysis because i feel like i don't have enough experience there um but we've got a pandemic we know this we've got economic crunches. we were already in a period of some economic turbulence um, over, over the past year and and at the same time over the pandemic we've had SpaceX has been has taken over the a private contractor for getting NASA's um, astronauts into space how much and, and Pip, I hope you don't mind if I go to you first with this how much is it worth exploring space and worth sustaining space discovery when they're pressing investment needs at home
2: I think space is is important I think it is kind of it's I mean, for a start, it's so cool to explore space. The kind of this vast expanse of we don't really know what's out there, but let's have fun anyway. It's kind of children (laughs) in a toy box Um, and a very expensive toy box, though. Um, It is kind of in a time of when there's so many people are struggling. There is something to be said for is it not worth putting it like still have it there because we need kind of astrophysicists needs. Um, kind of this is their work and we can't get rid of their work entirely and it's kind of really interesting what they live for. Um, not live for, but kind of what they do. And right. but I think there is, yeah, I think there is something to say for, for actually kind of putting it on the back burner and going, okay, do you know, let's let's sort this out a bit first and kind of not spend as much money on space travel but spend more money on kind of boosting the economies that we have on this planet, Um, and um, kind of trying to come together as a global community and sorting ourselves out first before we try and carry on exploring space.
0: Okay, Uh, so you're saying space is cool, but, you know, we should focus on home. Ollie, you sound like the sort of chap who's very much in favour of space exploration. Am I calling that right? I I, I am in
1: favour of space exploration, yeah. I do understand understand where Philip is coming from, but, but there's... It, it, it makes me wonder if in, if in Spain you know just before Columbus set off whether there were similar discussions of oh what are we doing sending these boats out there for they've got so many problems here at home why are we why are we bothering with all this global exploration and I think it could kind of be a similar thing with space space it's certainly there's certainly sort of the, the curiosity of what's out there and, and, and that's like this inner drive within us as humans and it's really good to serve that it's so so intrinsic to who we are but there's also massive like real world Benefits to go into space, whether it's in terms of security, in terms of, sort of satellites, in terms of communication as well, in terms of sort of connecting the world that way, and and in terms of economics as well. There's a t- tremendous amount of uh, economic resource in space, whether it's asteroid mining or or alternative energy sources on the moon. Um, so. Yeah, uh, there's benefits. And in terms of us being a global community, uh, Philippa, which is a point you made, I think space exploration directly serves that. I think there's something, just just the fact of being in space and looking at the Earth as one single unit with no borders, none of the imaginary divides that we concoct in our imaginations, just seeing it as one whole connected thing, I think shifts our perceptions of ourselves as human beings, and I think that's really profound, and it will change us in in significant ways
0: okay i'm that was that was that was beautiful i'm gonna have to call it a day there this um that's all we've got time for but but pip ollie thank you both so much for, for being the intelligent articulate thoughtful people you are you have been wonderful um new will be back at the same time next week but with new guests and new issues I've been Theo Hunt. This has been Freedom of Speech going live on 87.7 Belgrade FM, and here to see you off, if I can press the right buttons, (laughs) is Goodbye by Linkin Park. Thank you both. And this is now 3 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon. Enjoy. Bye bye.